Welcome back to the Off the Tips podcast. It was um back to normality last week, but we've we've lost a couple of troops ACs on a on a Kentucky around Greece and Europe, and and Monty's back on the tools and in the deep south in Dunedin. So we've gone a little bit left of center, but it's a threesome again. I've got both the the Zorad boys in the house. Dave, Thomas, how are you going, boys? You know, really good. Thank you, Kel. Um, everything well on my end. Um, it's nice to be sitting next to David here. It's a bit, bit tough. His shoulders are a bit too big here. So I've got to stay all the way away. Yeah. Hey, you boys are looking good. Yeah, thanks, Kel. You know, it's a pleasure to be back on. Thought I may be wrestled from the pod after my performance a few weeks ago. But it's, it's, it's nice to get um, the, um, the call up again. That, that boy is just... Same same comms as last time. It's just next man up, and uh, yeah, I think I think you guys will fill the jersey well. But just talk me through the the golf you boys have been playing recently. I understand you went out to the home of um, Canterbury Golf, Rangiora Golf Club. That's where I learnt my trade as a youngster. How, how did you find the the golf course out there, boys? Yeah, it was actually yeah we uh, we set out and we had a sort of an, an arvo um, that we wanted to play golf on, and we just thought we'll play a course that we'd, ne- we'd never played before. So we sort of um, thought about some of the courses around the region and so, and we're like, oh, yeah, Rangiora is a bit of us. And so, yeah, we went out there. I took Thomas on. He, I was giving him four shots and we uh, he took it down the last, but unfortunately uh, he piped to OB up 18. But no, nah, it, it's, it's a different. Off the tee or? Yes, yeah, off the tee, hit yeah. it about 30 right into some farm paddocks, but he still made the effort to go and get his nuts. Yes, um, I'm short on golf balls, so that's the least I could do. But for context, I had just um, won the previous two holes. I'd take it from two down, no, three down with three to play, and I won the, won the last two. And 18's a dogleg par five, and it's close to 500 metres. And we're sitting on the, on the, on the tee, and David goes, oh, yeah, there's only one bike that can reach this par five and two and I and it's not you <laughs> that's that's some that's some good comms that's a big boy hole that uh 18th the finishing hole at Rangier it's a it's a tricky one yeah I had my eyes set on cutting the corner driver three wood and just on the front edge and a couple of putts but uh wasn't to be but that's okay um and then we ne- next time and I might add that that course would be up there with one of the tightest club courses in the country it is you have to be yeah. pinpoint off the tee so which a few of us um me and Thomas both have sort of ball striking demons at the moment and I, I especially noted Thomas his ball striking seemed to be on life support um early <laughs> on in the round so it was yeah it was it was a we found it uh, we found it really tough out there yeah for quite on. a Following on from Dave's comms, uh, I had a read of the Kiwi Caddies website, and he mentioned that he thought Rustley was the tightest club course going around. Um, I think Rangiora would certainly give it a run for its money. Yeah, well, Matt might have to get out to Rangiora. Uh, he seems to only be playing courses that are on the sand belt or or have Royal before its uh, name. So maybe he needs to get back to his roots and go um, visit Rangiora. What did you boys make of the the first hole there? It's a pretty uh, Pretty daunting tee shot with a big OB right, quite tight. Yeah, I um, 
obviously I'm had never played the course before, so I um as you do, I pulled D back and um proceeded to hit it thirty short and then pitch it up to about four foot and made birdie. So uh one of the easy only holes going around, but nah nah. Um in all seriousness, if I was gonna play the course in like say a tournament, I'd I'd probably hit five iron down there just because of there's no point in hitting driver when it's only when it's only um just over three hundred metres. Yeah, I took the uh, the the mature option and laid up with about a six iron off the tee. It went six iron, nine iron, and just into the fat of the green, and then for a two par par. That's just. Would would you say your round round uh, Rangiora where you were making aggressive swings to conservative targets? Oh yeah, it was. I guess it was all about posting a, a number at these blue collar tracks. So it was it was a really good chance to um, to show our wares. <laughs> that, that's great, boys. Um. How's the how's the pro shop been? And Dave, I, I want to know how the boys are shaping up to defend the Woodward Cup this year. Yeah, no, um, everything's going well at Royal Timberland. Uh I was working the other day, and David just played, and he comes into the pro shop, and he the first thing he says to me he goes, "Oh, do you see any bogeys out there?" And I was like, "Oh, what do you mean?" He goes, "Oh, um, bogey free five under for me." <laughs> that's a that's a good day on the tools, Dave. Were you? Were your ball striking demons well and truly behind you? Oh, I just want to actually caveat that and say that it was actually placing through the green that day. So <laughs> yes, yeah, so it was a bit, bit Mickey Mouse. It was, as the Americans would say, we played ball in hand. So it was, yeah, you got some pretty juicy lies out of the thick rough where you could just balloon a three wood from about into the par fives, which is always nice. Yeah, that's lovely. Um, what about the Woodward Cup boys? Uh, I understand you had a bit of a pre-season hit out on uh, the weekend. How, how are the boys shaping up? Big yeah, title defence for the Blue Collar Templeton GC. Yeah, yeah, it's first first round this weekend, and it's um, it's a we're, we're at the home track at Templeton this weekend, so it's always nice to kick off uh, on the home track. So we, we'd hope to uh, to do well on our on our home course, and yeah, we had just had a hit around um, Wider Kerry just in a warm up game, so so that was nice, but. Waitakere is a tough track, especially off the blues, and plays quite long. So, yeah, it was a good day out, though. That's great, and we might as well segue straight into someone someone else winning at home. Celine Boutier wins in France, the Evian Championship, uh, an alleged major championship. I I, uh, I don't really get around the, the Evian too much. It's only been a major for 10 years, but, mate, fair play. Fair play to her getting up and getting it done over over Brooke Henderson. Uh, I don't know if you boys caught any of the Evian through the middle of the night in New Zealand, but do you have any thoughts on on the leaderboard? No, I, look, I didn't catch a shot, Cal. But <laughs> I, what I did see was that um, Carlotta Saganda, um, she was penalised. Um, for her slow play, uh, it took her six hours to complete her um, her round, and then proceeded to get DQ'd because of she didn't want to sign her scorecard for the the penalty shot that she incurred for the slow play. So she she proceeded to DQ herself. So that raises the question: Is Cal, how long's two round for you? If you, if you're playing, how long's too too long? See, I I quite like just quick golf. Uh, I'd say. It depends. Like if it's a busy club day, I can probably cop four and a bit hours. But kind of anything over four and a half, like I think that's really starting to get out there. Even four, 
for me. Like, I hate waiting to hit golf shots. What about you, boys? Yeah, I'm. I get a little bit anxious when we get over the four hour mark. Just too much head noise, I'd say, going on when you're having to to think about your your next approach shot. You know, just like charge charging on and just yeah, ideally three and a half, but obviously not possible when the course is jam packed. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm much the same. But however, if, if I'm playing a new course, um, maybe I'm, I'll take the five hours because I'll, I'll be referring to my course book, which will be my fifteenth cup for the day. <laughs> yeah, um, and that leads to me to ask you boys: Have you ever been put on the clock before? No, I haven't. No, I don't think I've played in anything that would warrant people being put on the clock as such. I mean, I mean, it's pretty. You'd have to be taking an extraordinary, extraordinary amount of time to actually for a rules official to come over and get their stopwatch out. But you do see the rules officials um, walking around with this with their stopwatch around their neck. So uh, maybe it's just there just to sort of act as a deterrent for others, just just to let them know that it's there and could be used. Um, me and David have a good friend who has a history. If it's the play starts to get slow, uh, he'll start whistling um, for the people in front to start hurrying up, which is I which I um I can't condone really, but I won't name his <laughs> name. But that's just that's one sort of um technique of someone goes about it. It's, yeah, probably pro- you're probably not. Advised. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've played in a group where we've got to this T and these people in front of us were taking their sweet time and. There was no one in front of them. There were people starting to come up behind us and they just teed off, didn't say anything. And my mate just put his ball down on his tee and just let one go over them. And I thought that was pretty un- pretty untidy. And then like verbal, proceeded to get in a verbal and I, I was just like back in my box a little bit. DQ'd for, for that. Like, do you, do you reckon she should have just taken her medicine or? Yeah, I think it's a tough one because of she was she seemed uh, so adamant that she wasn't she she didn't feel like she was playing slow and that it was just the the course that was made it take a while and and the whole the groups in front. But I mean, six hours you still sort of have to. It comes to a point where maybe six hours probably is <laughs> is the number. Yeah, she's almost like, cutting off a lot of excuses. She's almost cutting off her nose to spite her face. Just uh, cop the the rounds occurred. Cop the. Um, the shot penalty and um, front up the next day um, with a must and win win it back just mate just get it back but yeah just back on on Boutier like had a pretty good season so far she's already won once this year she won the drive on in a playoff over Georgia Hall and T14 T30 T45 and a win at the majors this year T3 the week prior to the Evian that's a a pretty solid season for her and look like only still really young. So, geez, who, who's to know what, what the future holds for her? The first French woman to win a major since 2003. I thought it was a, a pretty impressive display from, from what I saw. Yeah, absolutely. She, yeah, to win by six at a major championship is, is no mean feat. So that's, um, yeah, um, kudos to her. But I also note that our very own Lydia Coe had a had a bit of a tough finish. Yeah, she she was in contention early on on the first round, but then sort of just continue continually slid down the leaderboard and eventually finished in a tie for sixty first. So just pretty pretty um a, a tough weekend for her. Would you call that coming home in a body bag? <laughs> oh, yeah, along those lines, and it's pretty it's pretty annoying because she's 
kind of made a habit of doing that this season. Like she just hasn't been able to front up for four rounds of golf that we kind of know she's capable of. Like sixty six to start, impressive. Like right in the box seat, almost a shot or so back, and then seventy six on Friday, seventy one, seventy seven. Just that is just you're not winning tournaments like that, are you? That's just, it was a pretty poor display. And look, she hopefully heads to the AIG Women's Open, not this week, but the week after, and bucks her ideas up a bit and, and really, really fronts because I'm, I'm, I'm all in for another Lydia Major. Yeah, absolutely. She's definitely, she's definitely got the game. And so I think, it, yeah, just about time. It's just a matter of time, really, I hope, for until she joins that winner's circle. Mm, for sure. Like, well, she's obviously shown she's got had the game. She's been absolutely like her career is so impressive, but it's just it's been a while since she's done it at a major. So that's kind of the, the next step I, I want to see her take because she's already said that she's not going to really be playing well into her thirties, and she's she's getting close. So she might as well have to make hay while the sun shines because yeah, we don't know how many more opportunities she's going to get. Boys, did you catch any of the 3M Open over in Minnesota on the PGA Tour this week? Uh, a bit of a bludger of an event for me. I, I just uh, struggle to get around these these events. Maybe it's the major championship hangover or maybe it's just the weak field. I, I can't get around it. But, boys, I want to want to know what you made of the, the event and what you saw. And a Lee Hodges win, quite a good story. Had missed a lot of cuts this year, so it's good to see him go wire to wire. Yeah, it was. I caught a, caught a little bit of the golf, just caught up with a bit of the scoring, and yeah, at TPC Twin Cities Golf Course. So it's uh, yeah, it, it should, like it, on the face of it, it should be a decent event with headlined by Tony Finau and Justin Thomas. But I guess, I guess without Justin Thomas really being in contention, there was a big reliance on Tony Finau sort of to carry the. Uh, to carry the big guns, and he he um, he played very well. He finished on a, a T seven just with a one under final round, so he was sort of there or thereabouts all weekend, which and just happened to sort of slip off. And whereas um, Hodges and the and Co sort of found their form uh, down the back stretch. Yeah, um, my takeaway from it was I re- really enjoyed uh, JT Poston's um, tight second. Uh, there was that. He's copped a bit of stick for going for the green on the last to try and make eagle to force a payoff. Whereas he could have, if he'd made par, he would have finished outright second. But he um, went for the green in two, uh, proceeded to um, hit a breakfast ball into the water, and then walked away with a double. So, and as it turned out, um, that cost him 250 big boys. So that shot was, was certainly uh, cost a lot more than my two at OB at, at Rangiora at GC. Yeah, well, your yours didn't end up costing anything because you went and fetched your seeds. So, oh mate, it, it cost me the moral victory of um of hanging in there for a night march type a night march type draw. JT Post and I saw him come out and say that he he doesn't play to come second. So it's it's the right attitude, and geez, you love to see that because a lot of guys would just have plumped that in the middle of the green and taken their two hundred and fifty k. But it just shows that. These guys are playing for a lot more than money. Well, a lot of them are, so it's it's great to see. But boys, real disappointed in Foxy this week. I had him in my punts. I really thought he was going to have a bit a good week coming from the links over to steamy Minnesota and just 
absolutely ejected himself, missed cut, and now he's an alternate next week. So, geez, it's a, it's a it's a tough scene for Foxy. Uh, been struggling a bit of late. Yeah, um, as you alluded to earlier, I'm um, just. A- Potentially just that major championship hangover. Like he would have given, he wouldn't have given, would have given his left tit last weekend at uh, the British Open. So sort of coming back, um, the, the travel involved as well. So I, you know, you, you can't you can't be good every week. So, uh, but he's hoping he's hoping uh, a flu bug gets around next week and he gets into the field. Yeah, I I haven't had a look and seen what alternate he is, but hopefully it's you'd imagine it'd be one or two and you. Jeez, you, you normally get in the field if you're one or two, yeah, although Cam Davis didn't get in last week. so This time next week, we could be talking about the John Daly-type story of Ryan Fox, big win as an, as an alternate. Yeah, as an alternate out of a – but PGA is a little bit different to the Wyndham. But, hey, yeah, I, I, I hope we are. We need David running um, um, a, a couple of food crimes in the US to, and maybe undercook some chicken. Is that been is that been going on, Dave? Has it in, in the flat flat cooking? Oh, I have been pulled up for a few food crimes, which I I deny. I guess yeah, the the flatmates are a bit tough on those sort of, which is fair enough because it's 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 their health. But no, I, I'd say I'm, <laughs> I run a good operation. But yeah, the other other boys seem to um think otherwise. The people in the flat seem to forget that me and David are the only two that have actually completed a food safety course. So we should be the most um informed on what what is um the correct hygienic practices. Yeah, but. What what food crimes has Dave committed, TZ? Uh, That's what I want to know. Just one off the top, one off the top of my head. We were sitting in the lounge the other day, and Dave's eating his toast with a coffee, and he, I proceed to watch him dunk his Molenberg, um toast into, into his coffee. <laughs> no, that that's that is not on. What, then, what what's the process behind that? He proceeded to try and defend it. No, nah, it's just I just want like the bit of the coffee fluff onto my peanut butter toast. It's just I think it's I really like my peanut butter, and I think that's a, a good mix. So yeah, you weren't <laughs> you weren't going deep into the liquid. You were just getting a bit of the froth off the top. No, nah, the Molenberg's not bending the line. It's just going, yeah, it's just <laughs> going off the top. Oh yeah, that is. I'd say that's a that is a food crime, but it's it's also not a food crime that he's serving up to anyone else though, TZ. So he's only putting him putting it in his own rig. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's that's completely fair. I um I see you won't see, see me catching that uh, me doing that, but um each their own. <laughs> fair enough, boys. Um, did you have anything else from the PGA Tour, or we, can we rip into our playoff holes? We'll we'll keep it short and sharp this week. I actually, I've got something for you, Cal. I, I saw a news headline on the Corn Ferry Tour, and it brought back, uh, it came into discussion about the, the one ball rule, which uh, is, a, is a rule they use for PGA Tour and PGA Tour sanctioned events, such as the Corn Ferry Tour. And, it's, and it just stipulates that uh, whatever ball model a player uses to start the round, they must finish the entire round with that. So there was the, the story goes from the weekend that there was a, a player who he shot sixty on the Thursday and was um, was leading, and then Thursday night was doing some practice putting with a twenty twenty one Pro V one, and then accidentally put it in his golf bag. And then when he got to the tee, the first tee on the Friday with a big lead, he pulled that ball out of his bag, and he and on his second hole he realised that that's the ball he was playing. 
So then, and he had no other 2023 model balls. So he, uh, his caddy was trying to fish out balls from the lakes as they walked around. Because if he if he <laughs> lost his ball, he'd be DQ'd, which seems rather village. Yeah, it does. That's that's not nailing your non-negotiables, is it, TZ? Like, just non-negotiables is have your kit sorted the night before. Yeah, no, nah, that is uh, not ideal. But by all accounts, he um, hit, hit his ball into the fescue on the third hole. And he um, so they had a quick search, and luckily they found it. And then on the on the, on about the fourth and fifth hole, uh, some extra, extra supplies got dropped off. So... Um, he can sort of uh, be um, thankful for those people and uh, maybe just um, give them a pat on the back. Yeah, he ended up actually having a good week with a T3 finish. I know the Corn Free Tour doesn't get much of a shout-out on this pod, but, you know, big ups to that uh, that lower tour. Right, we, we're all about the, the lower tours. When the, when the Kiwis show up, we, we get around it. and that may, That'll lead us straight into playoff holes, eh, boys, where we... I'll go around the grounds in uh, AC's absence quickly. Uh, Joshua Bai, runner-up at the US Junior Amateur. What a what a display. Took it really deep in the 36-hole playoff too to just fall short to young Brian Kim, who gets an exemption into the US Open at Pinehurst. It would have been great to see Joshua Bai get the opportunity to, to head to Pinehurst, where none other than Michael Campbell won the, the US Open. We've already touched on Foxy, a disappointing missed cut. Uh, Stephen Elka, hole-in-one at the Senior Open and led for a brief period, but 81 on on Sunday in some treacherous conditions. Did you boys see any of that? That looked, like, horrific to play in. Yeah, I sort of looked like it was buying, like, buying a bit of a zephyr there. Uh, Colin Montgomery had a final around 88, which uh, that probably shows the level of the condition. Um uh, Average average score was sort of had an eight in front of it, so um, maybe that's my tour. <laughs> yeah, I think the average score was was nearly eighty. I think it was seventy eight and a half or something along those lines. And yeah, geez, a, a tough. It looked so tough that, but geez, as a viewer, that's what you love to see. Just blokes in the absolute pain cave. I might do some research this week and have a look at what the PCC was for that day. <laughs> You mate, you you get on the the blower and do that, and I'll I'll just I'll keep venturing around the grounds. Uh, Harry Hillier T four on the PGA Tour Latin America, which is a great display and a, a lower tour that was shouting out, mate. So there you go, and Charlie Hillier at the same event T forty two and Cambo. I don't know exactly where he finished, so that's uh it's poor reporting from me, but I think it was about T forty eight at the Senior Open, but made the cut, so. Good effort from him. Boys, I'll, I'll throw to you now. Anything to tee off on this week? Um, yeah, yeah, I've I got something. Uh, as you can imagine, we have some very intellectual discussions in the flat, with um, one of these being, I'm of the opinion that I could finish one a six-pack of supermarket muffins in 90 seconds. <laughs> yep. And firstly, I'd like to stipulate that I don't, um, I don't really believe in sort of gluttony and like wasted food. So I, I, I'm not sure if I'll actually do it. But what's your thoughts, Cal? Like, I haven't given you um, any heads up on this one. Do you, do you think I can do it? And I'm identifying blueberry as my flavour. Okay, I got a couple of questions. Like, I'm not 
privy to the size of these supermarket muffins? Are they like Woolies, just like, are they small, like cupcake sort of operations? Yeah, 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 or- yeah. Just that their standard six um six pack that um that the average Joe would bring to their um their room nine school school lunch. Yeah, okay. I, I know exactly the ones. Ninety seconds. So six. So yeah, one every fifteen seconds. Yeah, I don't reckon that's completely out of the question. I think you'd have to think, be a pr- pretty good effort. But like they are quite soft, so you don't have to do heaps of chewing. What was that, Dave? Yeah, um, yeah, I just don't think it's realistic at all. I think, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm shutting it down. Well, there we go. If, if AC and Monty are out next week, I reckon on next week's off the tips, TZ's got to try finish a six pack of blueberry muffins. Ninety seconds. Give enough feedback that they uh, that's all they want to hear yeah, on the pod. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll track a poll in, and um, if it gets a few bites, um, I'll um, I'll front up and <laughs> and um, have a crack because I'm, I really yeah. want my I want my words to mean something um, to our listeners. You know, they give up their time. Yeah, uh, I agree, and I I think yeah. Now that you've gone out there and, and said it, I think you've got to be held to account. But I, d- I don't know exactly what you were teeing off on though. Were you, were you teeing off on the boys for not um yeah, <laughs> not yeah. believing you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't but yeah, the boys not believing in me like that is like just get around me. <laughs> That's fair. What about you, Dave? Do you have anything to tee off on? Yeah, I've got a teeing off. My one is how, just how, about how imp- impractical impractical carrying a sand bucket is when you've got a carry bag. So when you play yeah. at, a, at a course and they ask you to all the signs say carry sand buckets, but it's wholly impractical to to carry your sand bucket. It's just it's really. I've got full respect for golf courses. Yeah, absolute respect to all the greenkeepers out there trying to keep their courses in great nick. But I think um, other other models need to be made for a sand bucket to really encourage us to use them. Because so I've been pulled up a couple of times, and it's like, mate, like it's your sand bucket is just not practical. Um, Dave, yeah. I would say that you've you've chosen to carry your back bag, so I think that just um, comes with the territory. Yeah, I, th- I I I tend to agree with that, but I just think that that um I just think there should be another model out there, mm. and I guess we can't all be like um Callum Hill and some of the other listeners who just who take big stakes of divots so they can just put them back in not neatly. Yeah, I, I don't know about that, boys, but <laughs> yeah, I just think I th- I'm in the same boat as you. It, nothing more punishing, and not a, and it's quite often where you will just you'll get to the next tee and you completely forget it because some some courses don't have that policy. So, yeah, you're, it's, hard, it's hard to say, but I, I tend to agree. They need to come up with a better system. Maybe mm. maybe you could come up with an invention, Dave, of like a like a little sand bucket in your, in your bag. So, like, maybe you unzip that bottom plastic bit and it's got sand in it and you can just scatter it. You can just feed the chickens. Out into your divots. Yeah. Also, if you can put a man on the moon, like I'm sure, you, I'm sure some some boat can design a, a sand bucket for a carry bag. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Actually, well, maybe you could just take a Tupperware container. Dave. <laughs> well, I think maybe a drink bottle. Yeah, a drink bottle, not too bad. You just you'd have to, and yeah, maybe one of those like a milk bottle and just poke holes in the top oh. of the milk bottle 
and you can just like squeeze it like a talcum powder. <laughs> yeah, this is not a bad shit actually. Um, yeah, I'll um, I'll try it this weekend, Cal, and and see how I go. Yeah, let let me know. But like off the tips, just turned into Shark Tank there. So what to the listeners out there, feel free to do with anything with those ideas. Do with them what you will, and if you turn them into a a multi million dollar company, just don't don't forget where you got it from. But does Templeton implement a sand bucket policy? Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, um, we need to make sure our um, our luscious fairways um, stay that way. Do you, do you enforce it when you're in the shop, TZ? Like, will you see people like heading out and just be like, "Mate, get a sand bucket." Yeah, for sure, mate. Right, that, that's yeah, that's one of my core roles. That's one of my non-negotiables. <laughs> okay, right, boys. Uh, I understand TZ's got no non-negotiables this week, but you've both got. A, a hidden gem. Dave, do you want to kick off proceedings with your hidden gem of the week? Yeah, I guess as this is my segment um, that I've been given, so I'll, I'll take the lead. Um, I'll take the first carry for us off the back fence. So I'm, I'm, I'm running off the back fence with uh, Paraparam Beach Golf Club. Although uh, it's not necessarily a hidden gem as such, but I just think it doesn't get as much coverage as it should. Like, it is, I think it is it is one of the top courses in the country. And and it and it sort of is rated that way, but I just don't think it gets the publicity and sort of the chat from in within the New Zealand golfing circles that uh, that, that it really deserves. It's such a pure golf course. It's it's a one of the only true, true links golf courses in the country. Any holes that's particular that holes that stand out for you, David? Uh, yeah, there's the hole number thirteen, uh, and it's a par four. Great hole. Up to a, a big raised green, so you can have about 150 meters in, and you're having it'd be about 30 meters raised green. So if you don't get it up, it rolls back, and you end up still have like a 70 meter pitch up. So and yeah, it's yeah. a cracking hole. And then, yeah, and, that, and especially in the wind, it's uh, obviously it's situated in the Wellington region. So and Wellington's known for their wind, so it's it's a it's a very challenging course, uh, especially when that wind kicks up. Yeah, one of the be- one of the best course. Well, my favorite course in the country, and this Paraparams gets a lot of coverage on uh, on this podcast. We did a course Nuffies episode on it, and the Kiwi Caddy talked at length about it. It's such a great track, and we've got plans to get Leo Barber the the super on at, at some point. We're in talks with him, but yeah, I agree with you, Dave. It's it's great. Some of the best holes in the country, I think sixteen, seventeen. Uh, some of the better holes you'll find and probably the best collection of par threes I've ever played. Uh, it's just such a great track. Yeah, especially I think for our listeners out there, if you're ever going through the Welling- the greater Wellington region, it's a must play. And I'm and I'm sure the rates are very competitive for, for the quality of golf that you're getting. Oh, absolutely. It's such good value for money, like compared to anything you get. But TZ, do you have anything to add on Dave's uh, fantastic not-so-hidden gem? Yeah, I've got one. Um, this one's slightly off the beaten track, It is, and it holds a fond pace in me and David's um, childhood, is Takaka Golf Course. Oh, yeah. Uh, on the complete others, other end of the spectrum from uh, Paparam, it is uh, just a nine-hole course in Golden Bay, and 
just um, one one greenkeeper who works part time, but it's caught um kept in great nick nine holes, but the two there's two pretty different um tee options on every hole, so you sort of do get that feel of what you're not always playing, you're not um replaying the same hole. And um, me and David have probably played it countless times on um, on holidays we played, and you always have a great time. The members, the members are lovely there, and it's um you, you can leave your you can leave your driver in the car if you want. It's um it's pretty short. Oh, that's awesome! It's great to hear. Considering I'm going to be spending a bit more time in the Tasman region, that's some great comps, TZ. So we'll have to get over there. But I've I've holidayed over that way, Tata Beach, absolute great part of the world. Yeah, and it does. I can vouch for Thomas in that it does have a great, as you say, Cal, a collection of par threes. And that, and I think I remember playing with Thomas there when he had uh, his first hole in one. There, we were about about fifteen, and we uh, it was the ninth hole, which we, we played it as our eighteenth. And yeah, it was just a walk off hole in one, probably for like a ninety five or something. <laughs> that's that's pretty uh, special, TZ. How many aces have you made, mate? Um, I've made two, so that was my first one. Yeah, it was a wee, a wee eight iron from from 120 meters. I was about 15, and from memory, it was it was for about for a 75. But yeah, no, it was sort of it happened out of the blue. Me and on on the tee, I couldn't quite see it going, so I got my skates on and started running. Just dumped the carry bag down, the non sand bucketed carry bag, <laughs> and uh, ran up to the green and saw uh, saw that had gone in, and then proceeded to carry on like a pork chop. Yeah. What, what about what about you, Dave? What are you sitting at on your ace count? Uh, no, I, I haven't. I haven't had a hole in one. So I, I yeah, I've, I've sniffed a couple, but just yeah, yeah it just um, hasn't been the day. So I'm, I'm I'm waiting for that day, and I'm I'm sure it will come eventually. Oh mate, there is nothing worse than an almost hole in one story, mate. Yeah. Oh, classic. I've I've never made one. I've had a couple of close calls, but I did um. I did bury one from 160 at Bonnie Doon the other week, so that's great. Great yeah. news. No better feeling, is there, Cal? Yeah, it's just it's just the best. But did you? I'd, I'd, I'd love to have that ace feeling. Did you proceed to get an email from the two under club? No, because I don't think they do that in Australia, and I uh, I'm actually not a current member anywhere. It's just run out at Rustley, and I I wasn't bothering. I haven't bothered in entering any of my scores back to New Zealand over over here. I just I don't know how to do it, to be quite honest. Is there any better or a better dopamine hit than getting that, receiving that email from the Tawanda Club? Yeah, there, there's not. There's there's nothing nothing like being on a par five and two and having having a putt for an email. Is there? Yeah, um, and to our listeners out there, if anyone is actually a member of the Tawanda Club, um, I'd love to hear what uh the goers with that and whether maybe the off the tips should um become become a member yeah they could have a little partnership going i think you get a beanie and i think you get uh maybe a divot repair it's about i think it's 60 bucks annually to be a part of the t- the official two under club but no nah, mate no, no better feeling than that email tz yeah it's it's sensational do you remember the first time you got that email yeah i can remember exactly where i was <laughs> no, I can't. No, nah, um, no. Nah. <laughs> that went swiped to my junk email, mate. Um, with the amount of with the amount of eagles I make, it's uh, what if a duck's back? Yeah, nah. That sounds fair enough. Well, boys, I've <laughs> I've kept you for over thirty five minutes, and I think you've done a great job. We didn't exactly break down the break down the golf like real good analysts, but 
I hope the listeners had a good time listening to us dribble on and cheers for jumping on and Dave, all the best for the Woodward Cup defence. It's been a long time since you've you've lost the interclub match play match. So hopefully that trend continues this weekend. Oh, cheers, Cal. Um, appreciate um, being invited back on. Yeah, no, um, I echo, echo similar things from David. Uh, really, really enjoyable time and um, I hope that when I next when I next jump on, I can I can talk all about how I, I went on those ninety seconds of those blueberry muffins. Yeah, well, that's gonna we get the listeners will definitely hold you to that, and I hope you're jumping on Dave's bag this weekend. Nah, nah, I, I won't be. Uh, I'll be in the down in the mines, mate. Uh, down in the pro shop. Okay, boys. Cheers for jumping on, and cheers for tuning in, guys. We'll catch you next week.